Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Wednesday, February 16th. San Francisco voters giving three members of the city's seven-person school board the boot. By percentages greater than 70% each, residents removing board president Gabriela Lopez and commissioners Allison Collins and Fauga Moliga. This was the city's first recall election in almost four decades. The last was a failed 1983 effort to remove then-mayor Dianne Feinstein. So what sparked the outrage, and ultimately the swift action from San Francisco's voters? And how's District Attorney Chesa Boudin feeling this morning, with his own recall election coming up this summer? One man I wanted to ask these and other questions are KCBS radio politics reporter Doug Sovereign. And at the end of the night, a relatively quick night, it wasn't even close. So, Doug Sovereign, the message was loud and clear. San Francisco voters, San Francisco residents with kids in public schools have been fed up and fed up for a while. What did you take away from last night's recall vote? Yeah, all election nights uh, should, should be this early and easy, right? <laughs> this one was over immediately. <laughs> I mean, the first report came out, <laughs> which was you know early voting, absentees vote by mail, not even election day stuff, and it was done. I mean, you could just went 79% say something out of the gate, you know, it's over. So yeah, they are all, you know, in the 70s, low 70s to almost 80% to recall them. And they're they're done. They're out. And, you know, it was not a surprise. Um, I, maybe it's a slight surprise that it was such a landslide, um, but it was really never in doubt. I mean, the, 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 this overwhelming sentiment in San Francisco, and remember, this is a special election, so you have a very low turnout, uh, you know, in the middle of February, uh, far fewer people voted than would vote in, say, um, you know, a general election in November. Um, but it, it, it was pretty clear that this was an uphill battle for these three school board members and they were never going to win this thing. Um, they were badly outspent, outorganized, and there was just such a consensus that they had bungled their jobs. And I know people are trying to um, paint this in, you know, nationally, I've seen stories about, oh, look, liberal San Francisco is moving to the right. No, that is not happening. Or, you know, these, the policies were so liberal that even typically liberal San Francisco had had enough. That's not what's happening. This is about a tone deaf board um, not being attuned to the needs of its community. And at a time when parents really needed support uh, in helping their kids navigate the pandemic, uh, they were focusing on renaming schools and changing admissions policies at Lowell. Uh, and that's just not, you know, and they were very slow to bring kids back 
um, in person. And, and just frankly, you know, as an Oakland unified parent with many friends who live in San Francisco, San Francisco has just seemed behind at every step of the way compared to Oakland. And it's not like Oakland Unified is this, you know, paragon of, of efficiency and function. Uh, San Francisco, you know, they, they haven't been good about communicating, about getting tests out, about just every step of the way. And the parents simply had had enough. And you saw that in this vote. It was just a landslide. In San Francisco, schools were some of the last to open in the nation. They spent a lot of money on uh, bringing in consultants to adapt for social distancing and health and safety protocols, which I think everyone says, okay, that's that's a, a good idea. You know, let's make it a safe place. But when it's all of a sudden February of the very next year and you're being sued by San Francisco city attorney and the mayor's office because the schools have yet to open and they remain closed. And then in the meantime, all of these other sort of political tangential things, like you mentioned, uh, stripping Lowell High School of, of merit-based admissions. Uh, wanting to rename 44 schools, any one of those things, is there one that you can point to? I would think, Doug, it would probably be handling of COVID and reopening. But is there any one issue that was the tipping point for these voters? Well, certainly this is a district with a long history of budget problems, and that's difficult and frustrating for, for parents and voters. Um, I really think it was the school naming. I mean, the Lowell thing really angered and, and uh, motivated the Chinese American community because, as we all know, uh, Asian American students often do very well at getting into Lowell. And in Chinatown, there was anger that now they might not, you know, they might lose their places when they felt they, they deserved them. So that galvanized that sector of the electorate, which is always very well organized and good at fundraising, and they registered a lot of new voters. But I really think the school renaming thing, even though it's the least um, actually impactful compared to getting schools open again or any of the other pieces of this, uh, that became such a national uh, story and made the city such a laughing stock nationally. It just sort of crystallized how out of touch and disconnected this school board seemed to be in that they were focusing so much energy and time on something that, yeah, some of these schools, you know, maybe they should be renamed, take names off schools if they represent people whose values are no longer consistent with the way we think in the 21st century. But to wholesale 44 schools, Abraham Lincoln, Dianne Feinstein, I mean, you know, iconic names that most people would say are, are fine to be on a school building. I think that really just was sort of the last straw and made people say, oh, come on, what are these people doing? This is what, how you're spending your time when my kid is sitting on Zoom at home and, and, and not learning anything? I mean, is this the most important thing on your plate? And I think that got a, the attention of a lot of people who may not have been paying that close attention to the point where even parents who might have been sympathetic with other things the board was doing said, yeah, you know, these people don't know what they're doing. Let's get them out of there. And remember, you know, a recall, this is the first successful recall that I can find in the history of San Francisco. I mean, people have said of recent memory, there haven't been that many. Um, last year, San Francisco voted better than 80% to keep Gavin Newsom as governor, reject that recall. Yeah. In 2003, when Gray Davis was recalled and replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, 80% plus in San Francisco voted against that recall. They wanted to keep Gray Davis in office. In 1983, when Dianne Feinstein had just become mayor recently before that, uh, and was, there was an attempt to recall, it was resoundingly defeated, 80-something percent. Uh, and this time, almost 80% voted yes on a recall. No one's ever voted for a recall in San Francisco before. You can go back to when the recall started in 1911. There was a recall of a United States senator uh, in 1914. He was barely recalled by a few hundred votes. I haven't been able to find how San Francisco voted on that. that 
that was a statewide recall, but I can't find a record of anyone ever being recalled in San Francisco. So this is not something people do lightly, uh, and this one was not even close. And we could see another one in June when Chesa Boudin is on the ballot for a recall of the district attorney. I was going to ask you about Chesa Boudin, and I'll just get right to that question now. Seeing the, the turnout and the response from voters on this particular recall, is Chesa Boudin much more nervous or just normal level of nervous for someone facing recall this morning? Is he feeling the heat more acutely because he knows that San Francisco voters, as you just laid out in an unhistoric fashion, voted to recall these officials and that he's next? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's a very different, every election is different, right? There are different issues. There are different personalities. He's not these school board members. It's a different uh, dynamic in terms of who's funding it and who's involved, et cetera. Um, but maybe people get comfortable with the idea now of tossing someone out of office and that might not work it to his advantage. Uh, but I think he's had an uphill fight all along. I, yeah. I don't think it'll be 79%. But um, I think, sure, I think he's got to be worried. Uh, you know, once somebody votes, yeah, recall. Hey, that felt pretty good. Let's do it again. I mean, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses his race as well for different reasons. But um, sure, he's nervous. Uh, that's a couple months away. Uh, there will be a, you know, the assembly race was not resolved last night. There's a special election there and there'll be a runoff in April mm -hmm. between Matt Haney and David Campos. But um, so there's another election in April, which will be a very low turnout affair. Um, but then you've got June, uh, you know, the difference also for Bodine in June is that's a primary. Um, it's a full on primary. So people will be voting anyway on reelecting Governor Newsom, Congress, etc. So there'll be a much bigger turnout, which probably works to his benefit. But yeah, I think he's looking at that and is quite nervous. Again, on Boudin, the recent poll, the recent Berkeley poll that 65% of, of registered voters feel crime in their area has increased over the past year. More recently, the information that we've learned about uh, victims of rape having their DNA from their rape kits used to bring charges against them in other cr unrelated criminal matters. Chesa Boudin yesterday announced that he's dropping those trials. He just can't seem to, for lack of a better phrase catch a, a break, a positive news cycle lately with this recall vote looming. Yeah, no, that's very true. Uh, he doesn't have much to hang his hat on. And yeah, the polling is interesting. Not only are people much more worried about crime, now they're even uh, overwhelmingly statewide, at least. I don't know about San Francisco, but statewide. Um, inclined to repeal Prop 47, which loosened, you know, the idea was, well, our jails are too crowded. Let's make some of these lower level retail crimes, uh, theft and the like misdemeanors, uh, $950 or less, it's no longer a felony. Well, we've seen what's happening there with the retail crime spree. And, and so now there's a backlash against that. I mean, all of this is, is not in Boudin's favor. Um, he could hang on to his seat, I, I suppose, but I, I would, if I were betting now, I would certainly bet that he's going to be recalled. So, uh, we'll have, we'll just have to see. What is next in terms of those seats being filled? That's a mayoral appointment, correct? Yeah. So Mayor London Breed, uh, you know, who backed these people and appointed some of them, um, she, uh, reversed course and supported the recall and now she gets to replace them uh she will appoint three new members to the board she'll do that you know probably in a month or so sometime over the next month uh but again there's an election in november um and um at least uh one of them uh lopez has said that she's going to run again she's very young she was the youngest woman ever elected to office in san francisco she's only in her 20s um she has already said she's going to run again in november and she thinks she was the victim in part of a low turnout special election well i mean she got trounced 
uh, getting you know one, one out of every four votes. So <laughs> I don't know that she would do much better in November, but she has already said she intends to run again for re-election in November. I doubt she'll win, but she'll go for it. Um, and uh, she'll be running then against someone who'd been been appointed to take her place. So it's not the last we've seen of her. Unclear. Maliga had distanced himself quite a bit from the other two. Maybe he'll come back too. Allison Collins, I think, has become toxic in San Francisco. Yeah. So she's so there's no chance for her. But yeah, the mayor will appoint three new board members, and they'll have to sit for election uh, in November. So uh, this is not the last we've heard of school board elections uh, becoming contentious in San Francisco. Will the mayor be under pressure to sort of course correct and really uh, take into account uh, backgrounds, both uh, political, social, and even combing through tweets, because we saw what a problem that was for one of these school board members. Does there need to be a course correction in the type of person that the mayor will appoint to fill these seats? It's a, a moderating presence on the board, if you will. I'm sure they'll do outstanding due diligence, I would hope so, on on the candidates. But, you know, it's not like there was anything wrong with the peop- the appointment, you know, uh, these are promising people. There, there was nothing in their past to, to a red flag that would say this person is not suited for the board. I mean, um, but I'm sure she will be very careful in whom she chooses. Uh, I mean, they had good backgrounds and were popular uh, prior to all the controversies of the pandemic. So um, I'm sure the mayor is going to want people uh, who will reflect well on her and who can stand for election and win in November. But you can bet she'll be going through their social media feeds to make sure there's nothing that's going to come back to haunt her. This entire thing, you you laid out earlier a, a pretty interesting larger snapshot of San Francisco isn't typically a place where uh, reco- voters want to immediately go and, and show up in throngs to something like a recall election. Uh, d- don't really take part in the, in the populist wave of recalls like uh, Gray Davis or Governor Newsom in those elections. But I mean, here we are. This will we'll have had two fairly significant recall elections before voters just this year alone. Do you think that that's a sign that even here in this liberal bubble or in the Bay Area and San Francisco, that we are feeling that national trend of this this voter angst? kind of spurred on by the, the Trumpy right over the 2020 results? Absolutely. I don't think it's spurred by the Trumpy right in the Bay Area. I think it's spurred by frustration, pandemic frustration, pandemic fatigue. Mm. I think people are worn out and, and they're worn to the nub in a lot of ways. And life is frustrating. Life is not easy. Uh, people get fed up more easily. Um, we're, we're less connected to each other because we spend time at home and on social media instead of in person. Even when you are in person, you can't see someone's face. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of chafing of, of the body politic and people are exhausted. And when, when there's someone obvious to take out their frustrations on and there's a way to do it, I think they are more inclined to do so. And I think that's what, we, what we're seeing here. And yes, even in the Bay Area, the Bay Area is not immune um, from something like this. Now, I do think a lot of people still around here have the attitude of, hey, we had an election. There's another one coming up. Why are we wasting our money and time on a recall? You don't like the person? Vote against them when they're up for re-election. Uh, in the case of the schools, uh, you know, you're going to put somebody new in March who could have come in in November anyway, but I think there's a sense among parents that they've already wasted a year or two uh, because of the pandemic and there's less time to waste. So there's a sense of urgency. These are their kids yeah. uh, that, that you're talking about. So there, there's a different feeling there Definitely. Uh, from some other offices. But um, the crime thing is also, you know, people don't feel safe right now. They're scared. And that's why Chase Boudin is in trouble. Um, so, yeah, I think all of these things added up and the pandemic has changed everything for everybody. Uh, people are reacting and acting in ways they might not have 
absent the last couple of years. And I think as things seem to be getting better, if the masks come off and the restrictions go away and the fear and threat from the disease uh, ebbs, um, you know, people will feel a little bit better about society and other people around them. And this might subside too. But at least for now, yeah, the Bay Area is most certainly not immune. For sure. Interesting stuff as always, Doug. Do appreciate it. Doug Sovereign is our politics reporter at KCBS Radio. And you can hear Doug on the radio every day at the state of California at 3.30, Monday through Thursday on KCBS and KCBS Radio and the State of California podcast is always available at KCBS Radio and the Odyssey app. Doug, thank you as always. Thanks, Matt. Always great to be with you. Thanks again to my KCBS Radio colleague, politics reporter Doug Sovereign. We have much more coverage of the school board recall on our website, kcbsradio.com. New episodes of Bay Current are out every day, and we'd love to be part of your daily routine. Please subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just about anywhere you listen. And we are on YouTube on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman, and we'll chat with you again tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.